everyone. And uh, welcome to worship at Belhelvy. And uh, it's nice to be able to invite you back for a cup of tea today uh, after the service, after 18 months of not being able to have teas together. Uh, it's great that we're able to do that. So if you can stay behind today, uh, do join us for a cuppy in the Forsyth Hall afterwards. It would be lovely to see you. Um, other than that, just one announcement, which is on your way in today, you should have had a post-it note and hopefully a pencil. Better still a pencil with a bit of lead in it that's actually uh, not going to fall out when you write. Um, the intrigue that's around the church today. What are these post-its about? All will become clear uh, later in the service. But just make sure that you have one. You should have got one on the way in uh, from the welcome folk. So if you haven't, nip out to the vestry or nip out to the um, vestibule and they'll give you one. So you need a post-it note and a pencil for later in the service. Those are all our announcements. So let's begin our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 200, Christ has made the sure foundation. Let's worship God together.
Let's pray together now. Lord, we know the value of a good foundation. If that work is done carelessly, then no matter how beautiful the house, no matter how appealing the design, the build will always be fraught with problems. So we thank you that we have Christ as our sure foundation. That in his life and death and rising again and ascension, we have a sure basis on which to build our lives. The unchangeable work of God in Christ, the unquenchable spirit at work in the present, the hope of glory before us in the future. Help us not to take him for granted as we worship this morning, but draw us into the soul of the music, the prayers, the hymns, and the reading. Let us be ready to hear within and yet beyond us that living word which surpasses all human words as the sunrise surpasses a candle flame. God, when it comes to putting our faith into practice, we sometimes miss the point. But we're not quite as bad as we sometimes pretend. We're not particularly good at this, but we're not hopeless as we sometimes fear. We're not remarkably loving, but we're not as insensitive as we might sometimes feel. We have bad days on which we look back with disappointment and frustration. But we have better days when we can look back at the light and love that we've shared with thanksgiving. Lord, we are what we are. And yet also we are what your saving grace is making of us. And so we thank you for your forgiveness which soaks up our shame for your encouragement which fosters our confidence for your belief in us which makes us want to use our gifts in your service and for your joy which replaces a sense of duty with a surge of delight saving God continue your healing work within us we pray Bring it to completion through Christ, our Saviour and our friend. In whose name we make all our prayers this morning, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Psalm 122, and Ian's going to come and lead us in our reading. And we're going to read slightly differently today. We're going to read as these psalms would originally have been read in the context of worship, which is verse about. So Ian's going to read a verse, and then all together we'll read the next verse all the way through the psalm. So the bits that we join in with will be on the screen in old time. 
reading Psalm 1-2. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Here endeth the reading. Same. Uh, our next hymn is number 623, Gather Us In. I think this is a fairly new one to us. Alan was playing the tune before the service, but I think it might help if we heard the tune again, Alan, before we sing.
Let's take a moment to pray together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather, whether in person, here in church, or virtually uh, through the internet. And it's good to be together with one another in this way. But we ask you too to gather us within ourselves, within our hearts and minds, which often come to worship scattered and diffuse, and it's difficult to settle and to concentrate. We know this because we're humans. Thank you that you remember that we are dust. You don't forget who we are. And so we ask for your grace as we come to this time uh, to hear through your spirit what you would have us hear and to bring it home to our hearts because we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And that was definitely me this morning. I leapt out of bed, fresh, invigorated, smelling of summer meadows, beaming at my wife and my daughter and my dog, at the prospect of another Sunday morning at Mulhelvey Church. I'm surprised you didn't mistake my inner glow for the sunrise itself this morning. Such was my radiant joy at being here. Rejoice with me, wife and daughter. Let us go to the house of Mulhelvey. Dog, you can stay at home and rejoice in your own canine way. Too much. Joking aside, I am happy to be here Sunday by Sunday. It's a privilege to meet with you and to lead you in worship, to try in my own stumbling way to focus on the God who is already with us and for us, the God who is always doing something, the God who in Christ has put a face to the divine name. But that word rejoiced is the one that always grabs me when I read Psalm 122. Be honest with yourself for a moment. Was joy at the heart of things this morning as you made ready to get yourself out to church on this streak morning? Good for you if it was. But I would guess that most of us would probably say, no, it wasn't. Other things were at work within us. Joy, if it was there at all, was probably quite far down the list. Which begs the question, what does make you rejoice in life? What makes your heart lift? That's not a question anyone should rush to answer. It's the kind that you really need to chew over for a while and maybe that's something to take away from today. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt much joy and you feel out of touch with the things that used to stir it within you. Pandemics can do that to you. But for what it's worth, let me offer these personal thoughts as a starter for your own. What brings joy? Christmas, birthdays, holidays, good work well done, hard-earned rest, simple pleasures like good food, music, conversation and taking exercise, hearing, reading or watching a good story unfold. 
being outdoors in this beautiful part of the world, especially when the sun's shining. Seeing people learn and grow. Loving someone, knowing that you're loved in return. Keeping company with God, praying, reading, thinking, creating, in the knowledge that he is with me in all of it. Parenthood brings many joys, and they change down the years. And one of the ones I most enjoy now is seeing my children learning things and becoming skilled in ways that I will never be skilled. Seeing them outstrip their old dad is a joy. Seeing them doing their, old, their own things and doing them well makes me contented and happy. That's the kind of stuff that we can relate to, isn't it? We know that that is the stuff of joy and probably you'll have your own versions of what I've just told you, but there'll be some commonality there. You know what it is that brings joy in your life. And here's the thing. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that for the psalmist, this whole business of going up to Jerusalem to worship was more than just going to a particular building to say a prayer and hear a sermon and sing some songs. We read, let us go to the house of the Lord, and we interpret that as, let us go to church. We transpose the psalmist's words uh, straight into the key of our experience without ever really pausing to understand his reality and his culture. And the truth is, this experience of going up to Jerusalem for the great feast of the faith was so much richer than we understand. These festivals, and there would have been three a year, lasted for a week or more. They were spells of enforced rest. Nobody was allowed to work. Suddenly, the whole community had leisure time, which was at a premium in the ancient world. There were feasts to enjoy. There were friends to catch up with. There were stories to be told. People had time to talk about things that really mattered. Problems were shared. Hopes brought into the light as friends talked into the wee small hours over food and wine. And God was at the center of it all because God had given them that time and God inhabited that time with them. This was the community gathering for worship, not doing religious things, although there was a time for that, but doing ordinary things with God's blessing and God's presence, things that brought joy. And when the time came for the temple rituals, that time that they had shared together made the religious rites more meaningful because each person participated not just as an individual, but as a part of the worshiping community, part of this Israel to which they belong. They would have had a profound sense, not just of belonging to God, but belonging to one another as God's people. And I think that's where the joy lies. For the psalmist, this going up to Jerusalem was more than a habit or a tradition. It was a chance to have a real, meaningful encounter with other people and with God himself as the community gathered for worship. 
And I have to say, I'm convicted by the richness of that experience this morning. Maybe part of the reason we find it hard to identify with the joy that the psalmist speaks of is because we've drifted away from the sense that worship is a communal thing, a whole life thing. It's not just about our vertical relationship with God, but it's about our horizontal relationships with one another. For the first three centuries of the church's existence, there were no church buildings. People met in one another's homes, often in secret. So the church wasn't a building that you went to. It wasn't an institution that you signed up for. It was a community, a community of people, believers, that you belonged to, small enough for everybody to be known and everybody to matter. And it was the strength of those relationships and the faith that grew in those communities which made the church resilient in the face of sporadic and occasionally vicious persecution in its early years. And then in 312 AD, Constantine, the Roman emperor, converted, became a Christian. And suddenly it was safe, indeed it became establishment to be Christian. Buildings could be built. And slowly, over centuries, the collective communal nature of Christian community got eroded to the point where it's quite possible today in certain types of church to be there week in and week out and have very little to do with anyone else around you, especially if culturally we're inclined towards introversion. And it doesn't help that our church architecture positively encourages that mindset. We sit in serried ranks, looking forwards, but not around us. As though God is only found in what happens at the front of the church and not in the face or the company of our neighbour or God only knows beyond this building. So here's a question that I want you to consider for a few moments. And this is why you have your post-it notes and hopefully your working pencil. And what I'd like you to do is respond to the question. We're going to hear a little bit of music shortly. I want you to respond to the question, write down your answers. And as you leave the church today, I want you to stick them along the side of this pew here. And I'll gather them in and we'll reflect on them together at a later date. But here's the question. What can we do, it's on the screen, what can we do as a church that will help to build a sense of belonging and community within our membership? What can we do as a church that will help to build a sense of belonging and community within our membership? I'm just going to give you just a minute or so to have a think about that. It doesn't have to be a complicated answer, but what's your gut reaction to that question? Mark's going to play a wee bit of music to give us time to reflect.
can see some of you still writing. So I'll just give you another, another half, a, half a minute or so just to finish off what you're writing. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I think it's really important that we're asking these kind of questions of ourselves, not just for the sake of our church, but so that we can serve our parish more effectively. Our parish has a much lower average age than many in Scotland. It's full of young people. And one thing that young people value is being part of a vibrant and intentional community. I'm going to read you a little bit from... Rob Bell, who was the pastor of Mars Hill Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, up until a few years ago. This is from his book, um, Velvet Elvis. Um, he says, My wife and I and several others started this church called Mars Hill in February 1999 with dreams of what a revolutionary new kind of community could be. I was 28. What do you know about anything when you're 28? But anyway, we did it. We started a church. The dream actually began years before when Kristen and I were living in Los Angeles. We heard about a church called Christian Assembly, so we visited it. And what I saw changed everything for me. It was like nothing I'd experienced before. This community was exploding with creativity and life. It was like people woke up on a Sunday and asked themselves, what would I like to do today more than anything else? How about going to a church service? I couldn't get my mind around this at first. This concept was so new and fresh. People who gathered because they wanted to. There wasn't a trace of empty ritual or obligation anywhere in the place. Not I have to, but I want to. Not obligation, but celebration. Not duty, but desire. Kristen and I started attending these services regularly, and then we go to McDonald's and Colorado Boulevard and talk about what the church could be. Desire, longing, come as you are, connection. A group of people who can imagine nothing better than this. And so several years two internships and a cross-country move later, we did it. We started a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, of course, these stories can only really happen in America. But within six months, there were 4,000 people gathering for worship at Rob's church. And within two years, there were 10,000 meeting in a renovated mall for three worship services on a Sunday. And that communal thing was at the heart of what they were trying to do as a congregation. It's an amazing story. It's not one that we can replicate, and I don't tell it today anticipating that we will. But I tell it to highlight that this next generation, the generation who are missing from our congregation this morning, might not be as switched off to God as we think they are. 
maybe they are just switched off to the way we've been doing church. The way that works fine for us does not seem to be working fine for them. If the way we've been doing church doesn't take us deeper into God in a real and a connected and meaningful, transformative way and deeper into relationships with one another, as this upcoming generation desires, then maybe it's time for us to find better ways of doing church. Ways that bring us more meaningful community and quite possibly more joy. And the thing is, that starts with us. It starts with you and me. When you wrote down those things that the church could be doing to foster community, did you remember that you are the church? Or were you thinking that someone else might do it on your behalf? We are church. The change starts with us. So the question this morning is how can you model the change that you want to see within the church? If you wrote down hospitality in your post-it note, how might you be more hospitable? If you wrote down make more of an effort with people, what would that look like? And the reality of your life. We have to bring this home. We have to become the change in the church that we want to see. Because real and lasting change starts from the bottom up. It doesn't start from the top down. It begins with us. Responding to Christ reaching out in love to one another within and without the church and so we're going to end with another short time of reflection again just in a moment or so and this one is to write on your hearts not the post-it notes here's the question if we want to see more of a sense of belonging and community in our congregation, what's one thing that you're going to do this week to try and make that happen? Fine to talk about the church in general, but this needs to come home to us and how we live and what we do and the choices that we make. And that's what this question is about. What's one thing that you're going to do, that I'm going to do this week, try and make that happen. So I'm going to give you again just a minute or so with music to reflect on that and take something home from this sermon that you're going to apply in the week and trust God to bless as you do it.
please remember as you're leaving the church today, just to put your post-its along the, the side pew here. Uh, we'll gather those in and reflect on them together. But thank you for participating in that way. Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let us pray. Lord, as we join our prayers with the prayers of your church around the world at this time, we recognize again that in praying, all we are doing is turning to you. Turning with our needs, our hopes, our fears, and our concerns, and opening up to the reality behind those realities. So hear us as we bring before you our prayers for ourselves, our loved ones, our church, our community, and our world. Father, we want to commit our loved ones to you. Some bring us joy, others pain, most a mixture of both. Some are nearby, others living at a distance. Wherever they are and however they are, we ask you to be near them this morning. Help us understand that we can't live their lives for them or live our lives through them. All we can do is love them as they are in whatever circumstances they find themselves and try to bless them with the consistency of our care. Give us patience when we need it, energy to see us through the difficult times and spells of real happiness as we learn to live in one another's company. Lord, we want to pray for our church. Bless all those called to lead with vision and energy for their task. Give us the wisdom we need to help your church mature and deepen even in challenging times. Bless those whose commitment to the church seems sparing. Awaken within them a desire to know more of you and fan into flame the embers of a living, sustaining faith within them. Bless especially those who carry pain with great nobility, those who are ill and suffering, those who have skirted the edge of death's valley but still feel its chill in their bones surround them with your love protect them and warm their hearts with hope again we pray lord we lift our community to you this morning it's busy people it's young families those who are elderly and infirm, those who are retired. And we bless you for those who are choosing a way of life that's about more than their own needs and desires, volunteering their time and their energy to make our parish a better place to live in. Thank you for the selflessness they are showing in making that choice. And we remember all in our parish who are carrying stress after these long months of COVID. Those who are tired navigating their way through these choppy waters. Those whose lives have been indelibly affected by it. 
those still fearful and living only a fraction of the lives that they long to lead. Be their peace and their refuge, we pray. And Father, we want to lift our world to you in all its beauty and terrible complexity. Bring justice where it's lacking. Peace where the sound of gunfire or angry voices never ceases. Generosity where too often we have been playing the game of winner takes all. But above all, Lord, wisdom. As we wake up to the damage our choices are doing to the only earth we have to live on. Lord, teach us what it truly means to live in joyful, generous community with one another, with you and with all that you have made. Because we ask it all in and through the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing worship this morning is hymn number 694, Brother, Sister, Let Me Serve You. to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.